It was a game we thought we'd never see, and it ends up going down as a game we may never forget. One standout game for sure amongst many on Friday night that will have a lot of playoff implications. Yeah, Greg, I think we saw three games that will go down as game of the year candidates, but yeah, a lot of things now starting to take shape. So looking forward to going over week four here, but maybe look ahead to see what we're getting into with only what five weeks left. Well, let's stare into the crystal ball, Mitch, and see what the playoff outlook looks like. Let's do it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, Tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Mitch, you're here today, and you may be carrying us because my voice is struggling, my friend. Yeah, you're you're playing injured. There's no doubt about it. I, I can only imagine that you were screaming at the Bears today, and that is why <laughs> your voice is so shot. Yeah, recording this on Sunday night after watching the Bears game, not great. And so it'll you know it'll be a nice pick me up to talk a little high school football. Can and I, can I can I give you a Bears stat to start off the night? I always love a good Mitch Stormer stat. Yeah, lay it on me. The Chicago Bears are the first team in NFL history to lose 12 straight games and give up 25 points in each of the 12 games. Oh, oh man. Just when I said I wanted to, you know, feel better and start talking high school football, you dropped that nugget. Yep. Oh, man, that's rough. Well, Mitch, let's talk about good things. Talk about good times. How about Friday night getting Dan Pearson on the Instant Reacts podcast? Yeah, that, that was that was a lot of fun. I, 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 don't, I don't remember if I knew ahead of time before turning on to the score. I think I did, that, uh, that DP was going to be the guest griller and – uh, yeah, certainly to have him stick around and, and get on the instant reacts was a lot of fun and getting the group back together. Plus Dazzo. Sorry, Dazzo. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it just it brought me back to what that was like 17 years ago, something like that. So um, one, we're really old, uh, but two, good <laughs> to know that we, uh, we were able to get everyone back together and, and reminisce a little bit. Well, clearly I'm getting old because my voice cannot withstand this many podcasts in a short amount of time. Right. So right. Anyway, Mitch, as always, we power through. We get the podcast on the air. That's what we do. The podcast, of course, brought to you by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround, and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost of what you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com or shoot Cal Breedlove an email, calbreedlove at gmail.com. Well, Mitch, we talked about it in the open. Let's get right into Western Big Six, but we're really talking about a team from the track that made some noise. Sterling Newman gets the win 22-20 over Rock Island in overtime. I was listening to this game at the very end with our friends on QC Sportsnet. Ken Jacoby had the call on that one. And man, what a what a game, what a finish. And for Newman, it's one of those, you know, kind of all-time wins to go on the road 
to a, we've been saying 7A, but I think usually Rock Island would fall in the 6A class. Either way, okay. Newman is a 1A school this year based on enrollment and the IHSA qualifications. So a 1A school going on the road to a 6A opponent coming away with the win. What a victory. Tell us a little bit about this one, Mitch. Yeah, I think I got a little, little excited on, on Friday watching this because I think I said that it went to two overtimes and I kept referring to Rock Island as 7A. So quick, yeah. <laughs> quick clarifications on both of those points. But um, yeah, and rewinding the tape a little bit, you know, a, two situations that neither team wanted to be in with an open week um, with, with Newman trying to replace Bruce St. Bede with Rock Island trying to replace Rock Island Alleman. Um, there, there was a lot of effort going back to the offseason to try and avoid this type of matchup. Um, certainly you don't always try and get a 1A and a 6A team together, but on the other other side of the coin, you don't get to see this matchup. I, I assume they've never ever. played before. Maybe, maybe ever, back in yeah. The day. Um, so, yeah, you know, again, and you don't, and certainly there's, there's those details about, well, is it a, is it a, is it a forfeit win or how does this affect playoff points? So, you know, for, for two teams just to get this game on the schedule, I think is great. It's, it's a, a testament to both administrations for agreeing to it and getting this game um, on the schedule. But yeah, this was, this was crazy. Um, you know, we knew what each team brought into the game and we knew that they were similar, right? They, they both kind of were ha or have been going through similar growing pains, certainly Rock Island, new coach trying to implement a new scheme. Newman, we know what they are defensively, still trying to figure out some things offensively. So we thought that this could be a good game. I truthfully, I don't know that we thought Newman would win. Um, just purely based on depth, size, and speed of Rock Island, but Yep. When you get those two teams on the field and, and watching that game on Friday, you wouldn't have told the difference if you didn't know. Um, Newman's defense is elite. It is incredibly hard to score on them. Um, you know, Rocky took the opening kickoff back. And even, even at that point, you thought, okay, this is how this is going to go. And the Comets just regrouped and, and buckled in as any Newman team that's ever existed ever has. And it's, it's a bit of a back and forth game that, that goes to overtime. And after Rocky punches it in first, Newman comes right back, scores theirs and converts the two point for a historic win. And when you're talking about historic wins in Newman's history, that that's gotta mean, that's gotta mean something. So um, yeah, they were, they were fired up on this. I, I texted coach LeMay afterwards and, you know, he was clearly excited and, and he said that, you know, they're finding out how to win games in clutch situations and that'll pay off in the long run as, as I think Newman and we'll talk about it in a minute heads towards yet another playoff season, but um, love to see that they battled excited to see how well that they're progressing. And he, he was so happy for, for his boys. So uh, a lot of excitement in Newman and, and well-deserved. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about it, you know, a little ways down the road here when we talk about three rivers teams and possible playoff, you know, implications, but, you got to love a team that's so strong defensively and they're winning close games. You know, they've won several close games already and we're not even halfway through the season yet. I think that goes a long way to a team being prepared for the, you know, the kind of grind mentally that the playoffs can be. So I, I like that. Especially the 1A playoffs. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, 
when you look, you know, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned it, Mitch. Oh, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> Gartar takes back the opening kickoff for Rock Island, but the Comets were able to limit Rock Island to only one more touchdown the rest of the way in regulation. We knew if Newman was going to win this game, they were going to have to win it defensively. That's what they've done best so far this year. And man, when it comes to crunch time, this Newman team delivers. When it's tied in overtime, they get a run from Daniel Kelly, and then they convert a passing play on the two-point conversion. You know, they converted a passing play late in the game against Rock Ridge. They just, they find a knack. They find a way to get it done, even with an offense that is not as high-powered, you know, as a lot of good teams we're seeing in the area. Man, they're winning defensively, and this is maybe the best defense we're seeing maybe at any level, right? Forget class. I think just at any level, this this Newman defense is really good. Yeah, they've they've given up a they've given up 20 points in back-to-back weeks. That's that's the most points they've allowed, but it was to Princeton, um yep, on the top teams in 3A and Rock Island, uh, a 6A school. So, yep. yeah, this this defense is just just really good. Um we'll get to Newman more in in a little bit, but um yeah, that 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 defense has been strong. And I think the outlook for them for the rest of the year is good because of that. Yep. So what a win 22 20 over rock Island for the rocks. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're scuffling right now. You know, they're struggling. This one is certainly disappointing for, you know, coach Fritz and for this Rocky group. I still think there's, you know, there's obviously talent there right now. Something's just not clicking. They weren't able to, you know, get things going offensively. They're now sitting at 0 and 4, which is obviously not what you're looking for if you're this Rock Island program. In other action around the Western Big Six, Geneseo, they keep things rolling along. They get the 55 to 21 win over United Township. Mitch leading the way, the signal caller, AJ Weller. How about this stat line? Six touchdowns and an interception on defense. I know it's a spoiler alert early in the episode, but I think there's a helmet headed to Geneseo. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think uh, AJ Weller is is the correct candidate here to win the Matthewson's Mini Helmet Player of the Week. This is this was a great performance, right? Three rushing touchdowns in the first half, three rushing touchdowns in the second half. So as you mentioned, six altogether. Um, big big night for the Maple Leaf offense, and as you mentioned as well, it keeps them undefeated and at the top of the Western Big Six. So yes, this is a great performance. Really, a testament to what he's been doing. All four weeks so far, I think he's over 10 touchdowns, certainly on the on the season. So, yeah, I'm impressed with them week in and week out. This is no different. This was a great performance, his best of the season. So, yeah, certainly think that there's going to be a mini helmet headed uh, over to Geneseo this week. Yeah, well, we'll make it official here. The suspense ends early in the episode. Congratulations, A.J. Weller, our Matthewson's mini helmets player of the week for week number four. Matthewson's mini helmets, they offer totally custom mini helmets or decals. For your school, you can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. We're so thrilled to have them on board this season. We encourage you to check them out. Again, Matthewson's Mini Helmets on Facebook and Twitter. Congratulations, A.J. Weller. That is quite a performance leading this Green Machine program that, Mitch, they're looking real good. But let's keep moving down the way. One of their biggest rivals looked really good last week as well. The Sterling Golden Warriors, they get the 45-14 to win over Galesburg. Mitch, this was the game I was at, and Mm -hmm. I knew, you know, I started at my first game in Milledgeville, and I'd get there 
shortly after the game started. Well, you see, I ran into a little bit of issue. There's construction on Route 40 going from Milledgeville to Sterling. Mm. So kind of mm-hmm. got rerouted, you know, had to had to find my way around, got got to uh, Roscoe Eads in the first quarter. As I'm running in, Mitch, you got to love when this happens. As I'm running in, boom, Sterling scores a touchdown. They're already up 21-0. So, you know, you blink, and, I, you know, I get there in the middle of the first. I'm already missed three touchdowns. It's okay. The Golden Warriors helped me out. They were there. They were there to score a few more before the half rolled around. Joseph Holcomb had four touchdowns. Two on the ground, two through the air. Sterling outgained Galesburg 293 to 18 in the first half. This was mm. a dominant performance by the Golden Warriors, a win they really needed. Uh, you know, a dominant performance that they were, you know, they were they were ready for. They were hungry for this one. Yeah. So back to back wins for the Golden Warriors. This is probably the best that they've looked. Um you know, they, they got the win last week against United, but maybe didn't have everything clicking. But now um, that you've got Joe Holcomb playing full-time now, quarterback, really, really shined on, on Friday night. And as you said, four touchdowns on the night. So it seems like they're, they're making improvements, right? They've scored uh, more points. I was going to say every week, but that's not true. But, um, you know, you just, you just see improvement. You see them more effective offensively. You see them still, they've been stingy on defense all year, other than that week two uh, game against a really good St. Francis team. So yeah, the Golden Warriors are, are back to where I think they were hoping to be uh, maybe at the start of the season, but nonetheless here as we get into Western big six play. Yeah, Mitch, you mentioned it. You used the phrase that they were, they were looking good. Now they were wearing the retro powder mm-hmm. blue alternate jerseys for the first time. So I, I, we knew they were going to wear those tonight. They they had teased it earlier in the season, and I had yep. gotten some info they were going to wear them, you know, this this week. So I was made sure to be there, get my eyes on them. I like it. I think it looks good. I'm walking the sideline, and I walk past Coach Schlemmer, and it's in during a timeout or you know during a break in the action, and he kind of glances over at me and he says, "They look pretty good, huh?" And at the time, the score was 28 to nothing in the first quarter. So. I, I kind of joked and said, well, yeah, you guys look great tonight. How many points you've been putting up? Because no, the jerseys, they look good. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those also yeah. look very good. So yeah, I like Coach it. I, got, he's got Uniview on his mind at all times. I can just tell. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I like it. It's a cool retro, cool throwback look with the powder blues. So do you know what era that was? That's a great question. I should have asked more detail. I'm sure that after listening to this, you know, maybe I'll get some info from uh, yeah. Matt Gingrich. You know, maybe you can hook us up with what era this comes from. I would guess 70s, early 80s would be my yeah. guess. Yeah, but, uh, I assume so. Let me, let me get more info on that and report back either on Twitter or on Got the it. episode next week. Got it. Very important. Yes. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, speaking of looking good, Quincy, they get the win at home 34-27 to 27 over Moline. This was a close game, maybe closer mm-hmm. than we thought it might be. Mitch, you had your eyes on this one for a little while. Yeah, this is this was one of the games that I I said in in the uh, opening remarks that I think this is this will probably go down as a finalist for for game of the year. Um, came down to the last last thirty seconds of the game. Rico Clay intercepted a Moline pass in the end zone with with twenty six point six seconds left to preserve this Quincy win. But this was this was a back and forth battle all night. Um, and you know we we knew. We knew how good Quincy has been going into this. We also knew that Molina had been playing better, but 
the record just wasn't reflecting that. So we weren't, we weren't taking a whole lot of stock in the record. And I still don't. Um, we knew that they had to play Geneseo close. And so they came in really, really looked good. Um, and again, that Quincy defense, who has been really, really good all season, uh, leave it to them to be the ones to put this game to bed. So Quincy stays undefeated at 4-0. Um, it's looking really good for them all on the, the rest of the way out, which we'll get into in just a second. Still think that game against Geneseo might determine the conference at this point. So, um, and for Moline, sitting at one and three, and again, we're going to talk more about this in a second. I don't think they're out of it either. Yeah, you're exactly right. I was just going to get into that in a second here. Let's look through the week five matchups. United Township goes up against Quincy. Geneseo at Galesburg. Moline takes on Rock Island in their longtime rivalry. And Sterling goes on the road to Princeton. That I mean, the Newman-Rock Island game was interesting, but this one might be the, the marquee, marquee non-conference matchup in our area. I mean, Sterling and Princeton have been two of the top programs we've covered since this podcast began. And to see him playing in the regular season is, is fantastic. Yeah. And okay. I don't want to put this the wrong way, but I wish this game was last year because I think both teams were better last year. However, however, I think they're both playing better now than they were at the beginning of the season. Certainly Princeton had that loss to Morrison. Sterling, Sterling had those, uh, they went, were they, did they start 0-2? Yeah, they started 0-2. So I think both teams have rebounded since then and have, have started playing really well. So again, I still think this is going to be a great matchup. Again, one of those things that we've, they used to be in the same conference, right? I think. Um, maybe. Princeton no? and Sterling. Uh, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe in the old NCIC. That's what I was thinking. But maybe I, you're I, right. I wow. Like, I, yeah, I hadn't thought about it. I imagine that. that they've played before, right? Like yeah. not like Newman and Rock Island. I imagine Sterling and Princeton have played before. But still, this is one of those that we don't see very often. It's because both teams had an open week. We love to see that they're getting these games on the schedule. So, yeah, it won't have any implications for either conference, certainly. But I think, again, both teams trying to get back into the swing of things. Both kind of sitting there. Um, Princeton's 3-1, and one, Sterling's 2-2. Two and two. But both trying to get these last five weeks on the right foot. So I think this will still be a great game. Really looking forward to watching this one. Yeah, good uh, good recall there, Mitch. I kind, of, I kind of forgot about They probably did cross paths in the, I believe that would have been the NCIC, I would think. You're, you're going to look it up? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, yeah all right, um, sounds good. Well, I'll, looking never, at the, I'll never find it, but yeah. Um, well, like again, someone, someone listening can give us a little feedback. Wait, but I, yes, yes. Sterling was in the NCIC from 1929 to 2010. Okay. Princeton was in the NCIC, NCIC from 1939 to 2011. So they were wow. certainly yeah. part of the conference together for like wow. 60 years. Okay. Yeah. I guess I hadn't. Yeah. I guess short-term memory. Wow. I, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. So there you go. Well, we got to talk I, about Now I got to try and find the history between these two schools. Yeah. See if we can find it somewhere. So Kevin Hieronymus will get that. I know he'll have Ooh, it this week. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about Moline and Rock Island. You know, one of the mm-hmm. longest, if not the longest running rivalry in the state of Illinois. You know, the QC Sportsnet will be all over this one. Yeah. I mean, Moline is coming in obviously hungry because they just came up just short on a road trip to Quincy. 
Rock Island on the flip side, you know, they're motivated, right? They, they you know, they're fighting literally for their postseason lives at this point, sitting at 0 and 4. But man, it's, it, it, it seems like a lot to envision Rock Island overcoming Moline. I, I think Moline has played well this season. They've come up just short against Geneseo. They came up just short against Quincy. It just seems like this is a Moline team that's going to grab that win against Rock Island. And unfortunately for Rock Island, that would, you know, if that happens, that eliminates them from playoff contention, most likely. Yeah, and and this has certainly been a game that Moline has had the upper hand in the last couple of years. If you remember two years ago, they just – I don't think anyone saw that game coming where it was like 62 to Oh, nothing. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And then last year, I want to say it was – now that I look it up, forty-nine to twenty-four. So yeah, Molina has had the had the number the past couple of years here, um, and I and again with with how 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 much better they've been playing the past couple of weeks, even though the wins haven't come, we just we just know what struggles Rock Island is going through right now, and, and they'll get over it. Right, it, it, it's it may not be this year, but they'll they'll get over it. Uh, Coach Fritz will get his system in there, and, and those wins will come back to Rock Island for all those fans who are out there who. Talk about the downfall of Rock Island. It's it's a down year, but we're not we're not talking about anything drastic, I don't think. So, um, on Friday it might be Moline's night again, as Moline again is uh, is trying to get back into that winning record, get back into the playoffs again. So, yeah, but again, it, it's a it's a rivalry game. You never know what's what's going to happen, and it could be Rocky's night. You never know. So we'll see. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know the number of times that they've played in the history. would love to know that. So yeah, it's, it's a great matchup every year. Mitch, they always say in a rivalry game, you throw the record book out the window. Can you oh, imagine wow. how big the record book is between Moline and rock Island? It's gotta be like the yeah. biggest record book in the history of record books. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Yeah. Could be. So if you're throwing that out the, the window, the you know, of Wharton field house, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's why they play the games. Yeah. I mean, rock yeah. Island, you know, you know, best of luck to them. You know, there would be a, that would be a fantastic upset, you know, if they were to, you know, get that win for Moline, you know, we talk about rock Island being zero and four Moline Mitch doesn't have much wiggle room either. They're sitting at one and three and they're zero and two in big six play right now. So let's kind of jump into our crystal ball, the playoff outlook. Let's go through obviously the teams that we think are locked in and those teams Mm -hmm. that kind of have that path potentially to get in. Yeah. So Projected locks, right, for us right now. I think it's fair to say that Quincy will be a lock. Um, I think it's fair to say that Geneseo will be a lock. Both at 4-0, um, yep. Geneseo still has a couple of teams that are 0-4. Actually, look, looking at their five remaining games left, they have one team remaining with a winning record, and that happens to be Quincy. Um, looking at Quincy's record, they are in the exact same boat. They, they do play... Uh, Geneseo, as mentioned, but they also play Seymour in week nine. So um, I think both of those teams will certainly um, get to five wins. I think they'll both do it this week. Um, So, yeah, I think those are locks. Teams right now that I think still have a path. Sterling is the first. Um, It won't be easy. They've got Princeton, Geneseo, and Quincy in the next three weeks. They will have to win one of those games. Um, where that comes, I'm not quite sure. And then they still have to play Moline in week nine. 
So there is a path. I, I don't believe they're out of it. It's possible. There's just going to have to be not an upset, but there's going to have to be one, one highlight win in these yep. next five weeks for Sterling. Yep. Absolutely. I also think Moline is still in it. If you look at Moline, they're one and three. The hardest part of their schedule is gone. They do not have a team with a winning record remaining on their schedule, and they've got a bye week in week six. Yep. I. It, it could come down to that last last week in Sterling in week nine. I think. There's, I mean, just laying think, it all out. Go ahead. I think they'll have their fifth win by week nine. I think okay. they'll be five and three going into that Sterling game. So it, it could be wrapped up by then. But um, yeah, they, they just got to take care of business, I think, in, in these next four weeks. And they should get in. There's a path for them. Even at one and three, I think there's a path again. We, we've seen this year after year teams that sit at one and three and still get in. I think that Moline has the route to do it either way there, there's going to be a lot on the line i would think one way or the other somehow some shape or fashion there's going to be a lot on the line in week nine when you talk about sterling and moline mm-hmm. mitch i i do want to toss out let's look at united township they're one in okay. three right now they also have a game that's unfilled in their schedule because of the allman game so that's a, that's a win they have Galesburg in week nine. I mean, you look at Rock Island. They have Quincy this, this week. Then they have Rock Island in week six. They have Moline in week seven. Is there a chance there? You know, I think there's a possible path there. They got to come up with some some big wins. Yeah. Um... This week against Quincy? No, that's a tough one. I don't know. Like I said, never, nothing's impossible. Here, but that one's okay, tough. Here, yeah. Here's the, here's a here's the thing. If they do lose to Quincy, they have to win out and that's it. You know? So yeah. Yeah. If they, if they fall to Quincy and that could be, a, that, that, that could be, it will be a fun matchup between two really good quarterbacks. Um, if Quincy were to win and UT were to fall to one and four, UT has to win out and that yep. gives them. Rock yeah, Island, you're right. Rock Island Moline. I would assume a win in week eight. Cause it's, it's free. And then Galesburg. So yeah, there, there's, there's a path. It would take, it, it could come down to that week seven game against Moline, which Moline would probably be in the same predicament that they have to win that game too. Yep. Yep. Still, like I said, just intriguing matchups along the way here. So, all right, Mitch, we ready to jump into the three rivers. Yep. All right. Well, we already talked about maybe the, you know, the, the most high profile game and it was a great mm-hmm. game. Newman gets the win over rock Island. But let's keep going down the way as maybe one of the other potential game of the year candidates right along with that Not one. Not potential. Not okay. potential. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. Let's call, yeah, call it like it is. A game of the year candidate here. Yep. Rock Ridge gets the win 31-28 over Sherrard. This one was exciting right down to the very end. Mitch, you got, <laughs> you're rocking a Rock Ridge polo here. We're showing yep. bias. You're showing bias on the podcast. I'm showing bias, but I'm also saying that I'm uh, unabashedly saying that anyone can send swag and I will wear it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I put it on for the occasion. Um, This was a fantastic game. It truly was. Um, You know, Greg, you've been high on Sherrard. 
Uh, yeah, um, and I still am. It's just, man, like this. I think you should be. Yeah, I think you should be. Um, the way that they've been playing has been impressive. Um, and we'll, we can talk about this in a minute. I think that their game against Morrison is is one to watch. We'll get yep. into that later. Um, and this was this is a rivalry game. It, it's always good every year. Um, and this came down to really, I mean, both both teams put in certainly a, a ton of effort, and it's a, it's a team win. But both quarterbacks just put on an absolute show in this game. Um, Colin Schwagen, Holland Anderson, uh, Rock Ridges, uh, uh, Colin Schwagen carried the ball 17 times for 195 yards. Yeah. Um, including maybe the most crucial one, which was with under two to play, I think. Uh, it was a 60 yard scamper that set up the game winning touchdown. Um, but Holland Anderson for the Tigers was 19 of 28 for 342 yards and four touchdowns. Um, his main his main target Carter Brown was had 173 yards receiving in three scores. So two teams that we we know have weapons. Um, you saw the defense come into play here, maybe in the crucial moments. Um, the Rockets intercepted Holland Anderson twice. Um, and then they, they stopped them on fourth down to end the game. So, yeah, this, this game was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we certainly talked to fans in the stands that uh, um, just an incredible game. You know, certainly, the, you know, Rockbridge's season didn't start the way that they wanted to with that loss to, to Newman. I think Rockbridge is absolutely playing much better since then. Um, and I think that they're still going to finish with a pretty good record. So I think we'll get into that later. But. Um, for, for Sherrard, again, love what they're doing. They've been involved in every single game. Every game that they've lost this year, all three games, they've lost by a score. Um, they lost by seven to yeah. Kiwani. They lost by six to Newman. They lost by three to Rockridge. Yep. Three really good teams in the track. I was going to say, um, uh, Kiwani's 4-0, and Newman's 3-1, and Rockridge 3-1. Yep. and So, yeah. Yep. So, and, and we'll, we'll talk more that they could be another one of those teams like Moline sitting one and three that have a path to get back into the playoffs. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if I, I feel bad is not, maybe not the best term, but you know, I just, my, I guess I do. I feel bad for the Sherrard team because I think they're well past the, you know, moral victory stage, right? Like yeah. they're, they're, they're wanting that win. They're wanting that signature win. And they came so close to getting it against Rock Ridge. On the other side of things, man, it's been a lot of fun to watch this Rockridge team kind of build themselves up after a tough week one. I think there were some questions after week one about what was this Rockridge team all about. And at the time, we talked about how good their defense was. And we talked about how tough a, how tough a task it was to go up against Newman's defense in week one. But even still, I think people were still looking at it saying, is this Rockridge team going to be, are they going to look the same as they did last year or in years past? And man, you're really seeing Colin Schweigen kind of like, you know, fit his way in here and come into his own. And that's exciting. As a freshman, you're really seeing him develop right in front of our eyes as a quarterback and really not just become comfortable, but become kind of one of those impact players. That's exciting. Yeah, to see to see him in that sort of environment where they're down, 
right? Late yeah. in the fourth. And to to put together a drive mostly on one one big play that he that he had. Um yeah, it it, it should really excite the the Rockets fans moving forward. Um switching back to Sherrard real quick. Um it was it was yesterday on Saturday that that coach Brandon Johnson put put out a statement on on uh on Twitter, and I, I want to read it verbatim for you here. It said, I wanted to say thank you to our friends, family, students, and fans for your support so far this year, and especially last night at our homecoming game. You've been great all year, and the crowd and the atmosphere at our game last night was top-notch. Keep supporting this group. They are a fantastic group to coach, and we're still very confident good things are in the near future for them. Your support is ser- sincerely appreciated. See you all next Friday night at Riverdale. So, I don't think to your comment that they're sulking. I think they're yeah. fired up. I think that this team has proven that they are knocking on the door. They're not in the house yet. They're knocking on the door each and every game. So, um, and, and again, we'll, we'll get into their schedule here in, in a few moments, but there is a path for them. Certainly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, 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 I'm excited to see how it plays out for them. And it, you know, it's a cool, cool message to hear because it, you know, it can be easy to be very, you know, disappointed and to kind of turn that into a negative, right. Where you kind of let it, you let it take over your season. It doesn't look, it doesn't appear that that's the case, which is great. Um, yep. Again, credit to Rockridge. We talked about the offense, but on the defensive side of the ball, they really limited what Sherrard could do on the ground. Sherrard became very one dimensional. That being said, that one dimension through the air was very dangerous for Sherrard. They really are, you know, such a dynamic offense when you talk about Holland Anderson to Carter Brown and several of those other wide receivers. But Rock Ridge was able to really control what they did on the ground and then able to come up with a few big stops when they would go to the air. And that was the difference in this one. I believe it was two turnovers, two turnovers to none. And, you know, and that that was the one of the big differences in this one. Overall, just a great game. You referenced the Coach Johnston, referenced the atmosphere. Man, Ty Taylor could not say enough about the atmosphere at that one. He was calling the game for WRMJ. Listening to it, you could you could hear it as I heard it, you know, listening. But um, to be there had to be awesome. So, um, you know, Corey Cuffler was lucky enough to be there, but I, I wasn't there. I could only hear it through the yeah. radio. So, Well, and, and, and shout out to WRMJ for covering the game as they did because the – Newspaper write-ups on this were all by the AI elite sports, uh, yeah. whatever that is. So. Yeah. You know, and that's a great point. You know, I think that, you know, as the season goes along, the more and more I can't, I can't emphasize enough to encourage people to go out and support radio stations like WRMJ, like QC Sportsnet, and these groups that are really making an effort to cover local high school sports week in and week out. You know, and there's a lot up in the Northwest Upstate Illini area too that, I'm not as familiar with because I don't I don't get them you know on the radio on a regular basis. But when I'm up in that area, I'm certainly listening to those games on the radio as well. Yeah, and a shameless plug to not forget to support your favorite Twitter accounts, view from the West Pod and NUIC football. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, let's get into some other action here. Kiwani, they continue to roll along. Kiwani gets the 42 to 20 win. Brady Clark. Now, Mitch, when I was at the game the other night. I believe that they were calling him Braden Clark. And I think okay. the roster says Braden Clark, but for, okay. but forever we've called him Brady. So I really, yeah. I'm really torn here. I don't know what to do. So Mr. Clark goes for five touchdowns on the night yeah. to lead the Boilermakers. 
yeah, undefeated. Um, sitting sitting atop the division um, over there on the Mississippi side. Yeah, the Mississippi side. Yep. Um, looking, just kind of looking at what they've got. It's a tough sled left. Um, yep. <laughs> um, they're they're going to get into the playoffs. I know that they will. But I think that their weakest part of their schedule is past them. And they've still got to play Princeton, Monmouth, Roseville, and Sterling. So I'm not saying that they can't win those games. Um, I'm just saying I, I, their hardest games are still yet to come. So, yeah. but they are the top scoring team in the conference. Uh, they lost their uh, their position as the top defensive unit with Princeton's shutout. But um, that that offense is still going to put them in a position every single week. Uh, Mr. Clark at the helm, um, Alex Duarte, all of their weapons there. They're looking good. They're undefeated. And this was, this was a good win over BB. Yep. Well, we'll look into our crystal ball in a minute here and, you know, talk about possible uh, playoff implications, but uh, for the rest of the scores in the track, Hall gets the 34 to seven win over Mendota. Tristan Redcliffe had three touchdowns, the blue devil or the red Devils. sorry, wrong color devils, red devils moved to two and two. Princeton gets the huge win, 42-0, shutout over Orion. Mitch, go through and give us some of these numbers from Kathy, Casey Etheridge. Yeah, so, and again, for full disclosure here, we Casey Etheridge was our week one player of the week. Yes. Um, this was quite astonishing night for him. So um, I think we're going to try and spread the love here. But Casey Etheridge, this this was a helmet-worthy performance, no doubt. 291 yards, 290 yards. 291 yards rushing five touchdowns on the night. Greg, I said this on the instant reacts. This is maybe my favorite stat of this week, 136 yards on TD runs alone. Oh man. um, Yeah, they, they had it going. This was the Princeton that we expected all season. Um, And that's what I kind of talked about when we were talking about the Sterling and Princeton game this week, that I think since they've lost to Morrison, they've really started playing better. They, they shut out Newman and now they shut out Orion. So this is their sixth straight road shutout as well. So um, the game is at home when they play Sterling, but still just a testament to that defensive unit there at Princeton. that It's, it's, it's as good as it has been, even Morrison, even though they lost that game, Morrison struggled to score. So um, Princeton's back, I think, on the right path. And this was a really, really good statement win for them. Yep. Well, let's keep moving down a couple more games here. Morrison gets the 32 to 13 win over Erie Prophetstown. Mitch, but it didn't look all that easy in yeah. the early part of this game. Erie Prophetstown grabbed the 13 to nothing lead. But man, that must have woke him up. The Mustangs rolled off 32 unanswered. So great effort early on in this one for Erie Prophetstown. But, you know, the Mustangs prove they show their talent in this one, come away with the win. Yeah, I was watching this one early, and this is. And, and again, um, a, a good indicator of a well-coached team. You're down 13 nothing on the road to a winless team. How do you respond to that? And this was in the second quarter. It was 13 nothing early in the second quarter. And so for them to really flip the script and, and win this game pretty handily, I think speaks volumes to this Mustang group, who is still young, junior quarterback, you got a couple underclassmen running back. Certainly you have uh, Chase Newman and Carson Strading as your upperclassmen leading the way. But um, 
again, for, for a team like this, coming off the emotional win against Princeton, coming off the big win against an unbeaten Orient team last week, and then to go down early, this was the, the best response you could have hoped for. On the other side for Erie Provincetown, Greg, what, what they were doing early on um, with Jeremiah Kochevar at quarterback, I like their offensive scheme. So I think they're playing better. They certainly showed here that they can um, go up against the big dogs of the conference and, and compete. Um, so I, I like what I see from that team and Coach Whitebread, and I, I think that they will they will also continue to keep playing better every week. Yep. One more game. Monmouth Roseville gets the 55-22 to 22 win over Riverdale. Peyton Thompson had five touchdowns. Man, talk about diversifying yourself here. He had three rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, and a pick six. So quite an effort from Peyton Thompson. Thompson and Landon Montroy each had over 100 yards rushing. So good win for Monmouth Roseville for the Titans. Can I say something about Riverdale real quick? Yeah, yeah. I think they've gotten better every single week. Um, they are 0-4 but they have scored more points every single week. Yep. Yep. So, and they, you know, they're sitting on four. They've got on four Mendota and on four Erie Province sound still on the schedule here. So I, again, with, with what coach, with co- what coach Derricks has done, getting that program from sitting out last year to coming back and competing this year and starting to play better each week, uh, a really good Testament to what they're doing there and looking forward to seeing how, what they can do in the next five weeks just to continue playing better and getting ready for next year as well. Yep. Well, let's take a look at week five here. You have Kiwani going up against Spring Valley Hall, Bureau Valley taking on Mendota, Princeton and Sterling. We talked about that one a little bit earlier. Newman on the road at Erie Prophetstown, Morrison at Monmouth Roseville, Orion at Rock Ridge and Riverdale taking on Sherrard. So we talked about Princeton and Sterling. That one's an interesting matchup. But on the other side of the conference, I think you have two interesting matchups looking at Morrison at Monmouth Roseville and Orion at Rock Ridge. Mitch, I'll let you pick where you want to start there. Yeah, I think I think the Morrison at Monmouth Roseville is is intriguing for sure. Um, it'll be their toughest test since Princeton, I think, going on the going on the road. Only only thing I have on Monmouth Roseville is two of their wins are against 0-4 teams. I don't think, and then they lost, the only other team that they lost with a winning record, or sorry, the only other team that they played that had a winning record was Princeton, and they lost 40 nothing. So not taking anything away against what Coach Adolphson and the Titans are doing, because I really like that team, and I do think, again, we'll talk about this in a minute, I think they will find their way into the playoffs. But this will be a test for them, and I think it will be a test for Morrison too to see which team, if, if especially for Monmouth Roseville, if if they are as good as the as the record suggests, they're certainly putting up the points and they're certainly not allowing many. Um, it's just, have they played that quality opponent just yet like Morrison, other than Princeton? So yeah, I think this is interesting. Also, Orion Rock Ridge, whenever they tangle up, it's going to be a good game. Um, Orion reeling a little bit two straight losses rock ridge has won three in a row so um two uh, it's gonna be two young quarterbacks two really yep. good young quarterbacks the future of the track uh are gonna be on display here uh at rock ridge on friday so yeah looking forward to to that one 
and seeing if, if Rock Ridge can can notch another uh, way, another step up the ladder here in the Rock, or if Orion can do the same and get their first conference win. Yeah, I think for me that you know Morrison going on the road to Monmouth Roseville. I think if you look at Monmouth Roseville, you you pointed it all out. They're sitting at three and one, but I think we talked a lot before the season started about Rock Ridge. And we certainly have talked a lot about Morrison in the, in the preseason and now during the season. But I think maybe we haven't hyped up Monmouth Roseville as much. Mm-hmm. And here they are sitting in three and one. They have a big opportunity in the next two weeks against Morrison and against Rock Ridge. And I should say the next three yeah. weeks going right. down the road to Kiwani. So they have a lot of opportunity here to really make a statement. I'm curious to see what this team can do. They're, they're, they have five really good teams left as yeah. you mentioned Morrison Rock, Morrison Rockridge Kiwani and then they finish with Orion and Sherrard so um no easy way out for the Titans so this will be an intriguing week or sorry uh intriguging rest of the way yep. for Monmouth Roseville so but it starts right here in this in this week five um hosting Morrison yep quickly before we wrap up kind of next week Princeton at Sterling what do you think yep. about this matchup what what's kind of the What's the X factor in this one? I, you know, I, I look at this Sterling team that, you know, they've had a tough schedule, but man, they really looked good this past week against, you know, a Galesburg team is down a little bit, but still the huge win. They looked good defensively. Can they slow down Casey Etheridge? Can they slow down this Princeton attack? Morrison seemed to have a little bit of luck slowing them down. Yeah. Well, and, and Newman did too, right? That, yeah. that game was 14, yeah. nothing for the longest time. I think I think Princeton kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit in that game. Um, I know when I was watching that they had a missed touchdown pass, they had penalties, which hurt them in the Morrison game too. So I think this is two really even teams, really. Yeah. And I think it'll come down to, like you mentioned, which defense kind of shines the brightest. Um, because both defenses have been playing really, really well. Maybe Princeton more on a season-long aspect, but Sterling, yep. Sterling certainly playing – uh, bigger schools, maybe even better competition than what Princeton has faced, but still, nonetheless, um, look, looking forward to this. It's at Princeton. Maybe yeah. that. Maybe that. I was just. In a little I was bit, just going to so. bring that up. Yep, I think that's an um, important aspect. You know, not sure what what the weather's going to do. It's a you know grass field. Sterling plays on the nice field there at Roscoe Eads. So yeah, and again, I'm just more excited to see a matchup that. Well, as we talked about earlier, has probably happened a lot in the past, but we haven't seen it in a while. So, yeah, um, and two really good programs. So looking forward to this game again for conferences. It's not going to matter much, but just um, certainly for for playoffs, it matters. Um, and just enjoyment, I think, is going to be uh, at the top of the charts here. This was a game I had my had my eye on. I had this one circled, but uh, Dan Pearson, smart man, also had this one uh, on his radar. Now, I, I, default, I default to DP. I, you know, if he wants to cover it. He'll be all over it. I did suggest that he could cover one sideline. I could cover the see, other, but. See, Genesee has got to go to Galesburg. He's not going to go all the way down there. So yeah, he's <laughs> going he's gonna to stay in Sterling for sure. Yeah. Well, Mitch, let's look at the, uh, you know, projected playoff locks here on the Mississippi side of things. You yep. got Kiwani, Princeton, and Newman. I would say those mm-hmm. are our locks, correct? Yeah, certainly um, Kiwani and Princeton, as I as I navigate my screen over to the Mississippi. Um, you know, I think Kiwani will, 
will most likely get their fifth win here this week against Hall. But and we talked about it before that after that they've they've got four really tough games against teams with winning records: Princeton, Monmouth, Roseville, uh, Newman, and Aurora Central Catholic. So I do think they are a lock for playoffs, but I don't quite know what their record will be just yet. Um, certainly, I think that Princeton game in Week Seven will determine the conference. Um, looking at Princeton uh, again. Because I don't, I don't know how to predict the Sterling game, so I, I, yeah. I don't want to know, yeah. or I don't want to predict what their what their record is going to be. But they've got five wins. I, I, I know that. So, um, and again, if if they can win their sixth straight, Mississippi, I think is the biggest question. Not if they make the playoffs, but if they can get past Kiwani, yep, to win their sixth straight division. Uh, but moving moving to Newman, who is three and one. I like their chances against Erie this week. That'll get them to four. And then even Bureau Valley and Hall the next two weeks. So I think they could be sitting at six and one heading into Kiwani. And then they finish with Mendota. So I think despite everything that we've talked about with Newman and how, how little, and, and let's call it what it is, how little offense that they've scored this year. Yep. I still think they're going to be a seven and two team going into the playoffs into the one, a playoffs where defense could determine the game and they might have maybe the best defense in one a truthfully. So um, yeah, I think they are a virtual lock. Hey, defense wins championships. So, you know, it'll be exciting to see what I love about this side of the conference is that Kiwani Princeton and Newman all still have to play outside of Princeton and Newman who've played each other. Kiwani still has to play both of them. So I yeah. love that those matchups are still hanging out there. And yeah. And you know, we, we we've got, We've got a pair of two and two teams at Bureau Valley and Hall. Yep. Um, is, is it possible? It, it's certainly possible. But like, let's take Hall for example. They've got Kiwani, Newman, Rockridge, and Princeton left. That's tough. Yeah. There, there would have to be an upset there somewhere. They'll they'll beat IVC, which Chillicothe's 0 and 4. What happened to that program? Yeah. Um, they'll get to three. I I just don't know. They'd have to win two games out of Kiwani, Newman, Rockridge, and Princeton. Looking yeah. at BV, also sitting at 2-2. Two and two, A game against Mendota this week could be a winnable game. Mendota's been playing a little bit better. Um, so let's just let's maybe just assume that they're going to win. BV is going to win. They get to their third win. Then they have to pick up two more from Newman, Princeton, Aurora Central Catholic, and Morrison. So is there a chance? Sure. Is it really going to be an uphill battle? Yes. Yep. Um, so I, I think our locks are good there with Kiwani, Prince, and Newman. BV and Hall maybe on the outside looking in a little bit. But if that's, if that's bulletin board material, I'm all for it. I'd love to see them in the playoffs. I think they've both been playing a lot better this year. I think they'll be more equipped to do so next season. Yep. All right. Well, on the other side of things, I think we would agree that Morrison, Monmouth, Roseville, Rock Ridge, are they considered your maybe locks for playoff uh, mm-hmm. eligibility here to get to that fifth win? Yep. I think the more yeah, interesting, so. the more interesting story becomes when you look at Orion and Sherrard. Now, Mitch, I do want to point out that in the preseason, we talked about even though Sherrard struggled a year ago, we thought they had a ch- chance to be a potential playoff team. I also want to point out that we said Orion should be hovering around five, six 
between four, five, and six wins. Mm -hmm. And I think here we are, you know, there's some matchups down the way that are going to determine where they fit. I think they're going to be somewhere right in that mix. Yeah. I, I think if they can, if they can pick up a win here against rock Ridge and not saying that they, they cannot, I think that'll go a long way. You've got rock Ridge you, you've got Erie and Sherrard. Then you host Mammoth Roseville before you host Riverdale. So yep. I think they have at least four and then they'd have to pick up a win against rock Ridge Sherrard or Mammoth Roseville. Yep. So yeah, they certainly can. Um, and same thing with with Sherrard, as we've just been talking about. And maybe that, maybe one of those two teams gets in, and it comes down to who wins that matchup. In That's what game. I was just gonna say that that matchup becomes critical now. Yep. Because I think looking at what Sherrard has left, they have two games against winless programs. Um, so let's say that gets them to three. They'd have to win two games out of Morrison, Orion, and Monmouth Roseville. So yep. again, it's just looking at what these teams have left to kind of get over that hurdle. Possible, yes, absolutely possible. The way that both these teams have been playing, it's just going to take an upset to do it. I think. Well, you nailed it. I, you said it right before I, you know, I was thinking about it too. I think it that Orion Sherrard game becomes huge, you know, for both programs because there's a there's a chance, you know, there's a path to the playoffs, but I think it goes into winning that game. And that game is at Sherrard, so. Okay. And that is what that is week seven. seven. That'll be week seven, a little bit down the road, but uh, one to look forward yeah. to. All right. Hey, we're in the crystal ball here, Greg. We're looking. That's true. We're looking, we're looking deep. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's take a quick break here. Thanks some sponsors. We'll jump into the LLC. Brink Sportswear offers totally custom made-to-order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands. The uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill. They offer free digital mock-ups, free shipping on team orders, and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for sublimated and $120 for tackle twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to brinksportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel. Gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, lemon blueberry, strawberry milkshake, snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. Let's jump into the Lincoln Land Conference. Farmington gets the win 42-13 to over Mercer County. Big win for the farmers here. They're looking good. They're putting themselves in a position to win a conference championship. Mitch, talk about the uh, unique stat you caught from this game. Yeah, so Coach Vallis uh, sent us a DM after this one. Carter Lambin had two blocked punts in the first half, and I think Cuffler said that they were on back-to-back -back possession. So they're both in the first half, both set up scores. Um, Mirko, I think led six, nothing or seven, nothing to begin this game. And then Farmington just went on an absolute tear. So doing what they've been doing all year. Um, yeah, the farmers, the farmers are looking good. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that these two teams, I believe met in week one last year and it was at Mercer County. And at the mm -hmm. time I thought that was maybe a game that Farmington would be favored in the Farmington would win that game to start the season off. And it was Mercer County 
that came away with the win, kind of making a statement win in week one. This year, Mm -hmm. flip that, and I thought, okay, being at Mercer County, this team that we know, I thought this was a win that Mercer County should get against Farmington, and now flip it on its head, and Farmington comes away with the win. So, you know, tough, tough loss here for Mercer County, and you start looking at they're sitting at two and two. I, you know, I know I've heard a little bit about, I think they're banged up injury wise, but two and two is a little bit surprising, Mitch, for a team that we had pretty high hopes for. Yeah. And it, it started in week one with that Monmouth United win over them. And it, we kind of just were questioning what was going on there. Um, certainly with, with coach, with coach Matlick and, and maybe, maybe putting in some wrinkles on an offense, we kind of attributed to that. They looked good two weeks after that against St. Bede and, and LVC. But yeah, this was, and again, I don't want to put a whole lot of stock into it because I think Farmington is, is really, really good. Yep. But you look back at that week one loss and it just sets them back just a little bit because they've still got to play Knoxville this week, which will be a great game. Um, they've got Macomb coming in week eight. So there, there's a path. We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, but these are the these are the the things you look back on and, and say what if um, if they'd be in a little bit different position had they just won that week one game that I think maybe now they would win possibly so yeah uh, again you, you can't look back too much you got to just keep moving forward so um, but yeah at, at two and two I, I think there's a path for them we'll talk about that in a minute oddly enough they're zero and two at George Pratt Memorial Field and they're two and zero on the road this season so. Maybe that bodes well because they're on the road this next week. We'll talk about that big yeah. matchup in a minute. But El Paso Gridley gets the win 35-6 to over Elmwood Brimfield. EPG's Cameron Schumacher had three touchdowns on the night. Looking at Mercer County's opponent next week, Knoxville, they get the big win over LVC, 49 to nothing. Third straight 4-0 start to a season for the Blue Bullets. Mitch, they're looking good. And they're winning the same way they win every year. I mean, just talk about the stats here and what they do. Yeah, Nolan McClay, another week, another over a hundred yard performance for him. So on the year, um, which let me just say, if if we just have these year to date stats, that'd be great, especially as after next week when we're halfway through, just to kind of just yep. to get a, you know a guess as to where things are. Um, but for, for McClay, who we talk about every single week, he's up to 755 yards rushing. He averages Greg 12 yards a carry. So that's going to win you a lot of ball games. Yeah. And they, they are just, they're a dangerous team on the ground. I mean, they, it's kind of what we used to say about, you know, Geneseo, they do what they do and Knoxville does it very well. They, they run the ball and they, they do it very effectively. In other action, Rova Williams Field gets the win 55 to 40 over Princeville. Kind of a wild shootout type of game here, but uh, the Cougars come away with the win. Give us some of the details here, Mitch. Yeah, how's, how's this for some balance? 489 total yards for the Cougars, 256 on the ground, and 233 in the air. Um, big nights from the names we always talk about Danner, Brown, Burl Chauffeur, Sams, Hull. Um, for the Cougars to remain unbeaten. Like you said, uh, kind of a shootout here. I, I kept getting the, I, I watched a little bit of this game on the stream. And as the scores kind of were coming in when I wasn't watching it, we always talk about Princeton just being kind of a tough game every, every week, whoever they play, but 
Um, for the Cougars, more importantly, they get yet another win uh, to remain unbeaten. Yeah. Mitch, you referenced watching a little bit of this one. Can you talk about how many games do you think you caught at least a little bit of through a live stream on Friday night? I think I got up to 12. That's amazing. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I said earlier, I think I, I said that week one, I was watching games on my computer and every time you would try and flip back between games, you would see an ad and it was really annoying. Yeah. It does not happen on my tablet. So it's really easy on the tablet to like click on a game, see what's going on. Okay. It's a, it's a timeout. It's a quarter break, whatever hit back, go to a different game. It loads right up. So it's, it's a testament to the NFHS HS um, app because it's very user-friendly. And as you mentioned, you can, uh, I think we've got all of our teams kind of starred and favorited. So all the games show up in one nice list and yeah. I can just click right on through. So um, uh, yet another just mention of how far technology has, has come and how easy it is to watch these games. But yeah, I think I got up to 12. That's, that's great stuff. Well, Moving down the way, Stark County gets the 49-18 to 18 win over Havana. Matthew Bowser with a pick six. Connor Daum with a punt return touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Rewerts, another great week. Two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Mitch, this is the first time the Rebels are 4-0 since their 2015 semifinal team. So I had you know talked to head coach Jade Nord, and I love this. He told the kids before the game last week, that every week they win from here on out is going to be quote the first time since 2015. So mm-hmm. I just love that little, that little note because you know, you're kind of using your program's history as motivation for these kids, right? Like they remember those groups. They want to be where those groups were at. I love that as a little bit of motivation and the Stark County team is, you know, getting back to a place that, you know, they obviously want to be and a place that is really exciting for that community for that football program. So therefore, no, we'll look into the crystal ball in a minute here and what they have left, but um, yep. A couple more games. Anawan Weathersfield gets the 35 to nothing win over Monmouth United. Zeb Rashid with a big game, 126 yards, two touchdowns. Dylan Ori, 120, 112 yards and two touchdowns. Titans only had the ball, only had possession for 13 minutes. So they were effective when they had it and they got the job done. Yeah. Um, when, when you play a team that's going to control the clock a little bit, you have to make sure you make the most out of every possession and certainly sounds like the Titans did on, on Friday night. So yeah, great win for, uh, for Anna Weathersfield here. Yep. A few more games. Rushville industry gets the 38 to 20 win over a town. Illini West gets the win 32 to nothing over South Fulton. We also had a little Monday night football in the Lincoln land conference. The Macomb Bombers get the win 40-30 to over West Hancock. This was a game that started on Saturday afternoon. It was 26-22 at the half before it was suspended due to weather. So they end up making that game up on Monday night, finishing that game on Monday night with Macomb coming away with the win to move to 3-1. and Good win for Macomb on what was an incredibly difficult week for them in that community. Also, the West Hancock, the Titans fall to 0-4. So tough start for them. They've been competitive, just haven't been able to get the wins. Let's look ahead to week five. Mercer County goes on the road to Knoxville. Illini West takes on LVC. Elmwood Brimfield back in conference play at Farmington. 
West Hancock at Stark County, Macomb at Breeze Modern Day. On the other half of the conference, A-Town takes on Anawan Weathersfield, South Fulton at Rova Williamsfield, Havana versus Rushville Industry, United at Princeville. Mitch, what stands out to you in this uh, in this list? Merco and Knoxville, I think, yep. is just always a classic matchup. So um, certainly Merco, a team in need of a win, and Knoxville trying to stay unbeaten. I, I like I've, I've liked what West Hancock has been doing, yeah, uh, offensively, and certainly everything that Stark County has been doing. So be interested to see how West Hancock prepares for this. They're going to be competing and finishing up on Monday night. That I quite honestly I I didn't even know you could do that. I figured you'd had to have more than three days in between two games. I don't know, but I, I think that makes their uh, their prep a little bit more interesting, or maybe it, it favors Stark County for them being maybe a little bit more tired or, or whatever it may be for two games in in a five day stretch. So. We'll see, but you know, um, I think Murko at Knoxville is really the one that probably intrigues me the most in terms of two teams trying to get into the playoffs. Yeah, you know, you look at this Mercer County team. We we're kind of asking earlier about like we're waiting to get a read on this team. We really don't know how to read the Golden Eagles so far. They had that nice win on the road at St. Bede, but then you know they've had you know they've had some disappointing games too. Obviously, sitting at two and two. They have a chance to prove themselves. You know, they're going on the road to Knoxville here. Knoxville's undefeated. They have a chance to prove themselves. I'd be interested to see how they can do here. They are a little banged up. I think they got some injuries. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you get healthy in a game against Knoxville where they're going to they're gonna bang you up. They're going to, you know, they're going to bang you around. But um, see what they can do there. See if Mercer or Knoxville can continue to do what they've been doing so well. Um, this will go a long way in determining who wins that conference, you know, with, with Knoxville being undefeated, Mercer County trying to get back up into the mix. Elmwood Brimfield and Farmington, you know, Elmwood Brimfield just took that road, that loss in non-conference play. Farmington riding the big win at Mercer County. I think, I think Mommy's United and Princeville will go a long way as both teams look for a third win. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. That's that's a good one because, to look for on the again, other side can, of the conference. We can... I don't remember if I put this in my notes because I'm just looking at it now, but I think United's sitting at three and two. If they are to beat Princeville, they'll be sitting at three and two and certainly have two more winnable games after that. So I think this game for United is a crucial piece if they want to get into the playoffs. If they lose this game, I don't think they get in. If they win, I think they will. And well, looking at Princeville, yep. Uh, same, I think. Um, so for playoff implications, really, I think this Princeville uh, United game, it's uh, United at Princeville, has the most playoff implications on it for teams that we are on the, think are on the outside looking in. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Well, let's, let's look through. We'll start on the small sides, and that's what we're talking about right now. Projected locks, Stark County, Rova Williams Field, Anawan Weathersfield. Yeah. I think those are teams we kind of had circled at the beginning of the year, but there's still a lot to be said here on who's going to win this side of the conference with Stark County, right. Rova Williams field, Nano on Weatherfield, all still um, obviously Stark County got the win over a and W Rova Williams field and Stark County still have to play each other. And same with a and W and Rova Williams field. So 
yeah, I almost I did it. Did you hear that? I almost did it. Yeah, yeah don't do that. Um, I liked that I, all my updates this weekend from the Rova Williams Field score had it all in caps. Um, Good. Just so I knew for sure. Um, but I think, I think you said it best. Those are three teams that we think are locks, but neither of them have played one another, right? Um, the top two, obviously, Anawan Weathersfield lost to Stark County, but otherwise. Oh, yes, they did. Um, yes, they did. Yes, they did. That's right. Um, either, either way, I think there's still a lot to shake out to see who wins this conference, just mm-hmm. as you said. Um, we just talked about United and Princeville. I yep. think they both are on the outside looking in. A team I didn't put out put on there but now i'm looking at it um looking at south fulton they're two and two but both of their wins are against zero and four teams and both of their losses they've been shut out in so yeah they're sitting at two and two but i don't i don't see a path for for those rebels um or is that their nickname or is that is that a story as nickname um that's a good question i don't know that for sure i think the ihsa does it because we we talked about this with with Lewiston last week, they are the LVC is the miners, yeah. Um, but Lewiston is the Indians by themselves, so I think Astoria might be the Rebels. I do not know what South Fulton's uh, mascot is, but okay. regardless, yeah, <laughs> they're two and two. But I'm not quite seeing a path for them. So I think just the two teams on the outside looking in are going to be United and Princeville. Yep, yep, and I think like you said. Their matchup this week goes a long way to determining which one of those teams would get that playoff berth. On the large side of things, Farmington, Knoxville, Macomb all look really good. I don't, I'll be honest, look before the season started, man, I really didn't know if I had to pick two or three teams that I thought, okay, I have to name these teams and leave out some others. Between those three that I just named, plus Illini West and Mercer County. I didn't know where to go. And Elmwood Brimfield, I didn't know where to go as far as which teams to put as a lock. Farmington, Knoxville, Macomb have separated themselves so far. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of a lot of football to be played left in this conference. When's that far? Is that Farmington and Knoxville's week nine? So yeah, that that'd be pretty that, yeah. that could it could wait until week nine for that to be decided. Um, but yeah, I think your locks are correct there. And then we talked about Murco earlier. They've still got games against Elmwood, Brimfield, and West Hancock. So let's assume they win both of those. That would put them at four wins. So they'd have to pick up their fifth win against Knoxville, Illini West, or Macomb. So I do think they'll get to five. I don't know where that'll shake out, but I think they will get to five. Um, Also on this side... Illini West could get there. Um, they'll get to three and two. They'll beat LBC this week. And they'll beat West Hancock, I think, in week eight. So then that would leave them to win one against Knoxville, Murco, or Central AM in week nine. So the Chargers are the Chargers are right there. Um it, again, it would just take probably an upset over Knoxville, Merco, or AM. Yep. All right, Mitch, should we talk some Northwest Upstate Illini Conference here? Yeah. Yep. In the Northwest Upstate Illini, Lena Winslow gets the 52 to 8 win over Dakota. Gage Dunker with 153 yards and three touchdowns. Cobran Lynch with 66 yards and a touchdown. 
274 yards rushing for Lena Winslow. Mitch, I got to call it out. You got it right last week. It's Cobran Lynch. I mispronounced it and said Corbin. So I, we were corrected on Twitter. You you nailed that one. It is Cobran Lynch. So we got it now. Yeah, hate that for you, Greg. <laughs> All right. Well, in other action. Now you know how it feels when you mispronounce something. That's you don't get right. yelled at on Twitter all the time, like That's, I do. <laughs> no, they were very nice about it. The person who reached By out, not like not like when they reach out to you. And Williamsfield fans who have been <laughs> scolded, yeah, and misrepresented so, by me for two years. <laughs> all right, you, you done yet? You got more there? Or? No. Okay, you're good. Okay, good. Robo Williamsfield, there. <laughs> Forreston gets the 32, 34 to twenty win over Eastland Pearl City. Owen Mulder with 88 yards, three touchdowns. This one was, you know, back and forth early, but uh, Forreston really pulled away, grabs the win there. Fulton, 40 to 16 over Stockton. Big night for A.J. Boardman. Give me the numbers here for Boardman and uh, quarterback Dom Kramer. Yeah, uh, both played really, really well. So A.J. Boardman had four total touchdowns, um, had a run, threw a pass, caught a pass. So, um, yeah, great night for him. And, and Don Kramer, who is their junior quarterback, who I, we've been impressed with this year, um, three touchdowns, two passing and one rush. So talk about it in a minute, but this was a Fulton team that we, that started 0-2 and, and are now sitting at 2-2. Two and two, And I think we'll continue to rack up some wins here heading in towards the, uh, heading towards the playoffs. Uh, I love it when a player hits the trifecta with the run pass and receiving touchdown in a game. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So congratulations to AJ Boardman on that. Uh, Another couple games, Dupec gets the 55 to nothing win over West Carroll, three straight shutouts for the Rivermen, the offense averaging 48 points per game. Week six versus Lee Wynn is down the road. We won't get ahead of ourselves, but that game is coming. Yeah. And, one more. We'll go ahead. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I mean, this is. It, it's been it's been a really really impressive start to the season for Dupec, but keeping it in check a little bit. Um, they they do have Lena coming up in week six. They've got to play a Fulton team who's hot, and they've still got Forreston. So I think yeah. we're gonna see that kind of with Lee Win too, who have not played the Forestons yet, have not played the Dupecs yet. So um, yeah. Just a, a lot to still shake out, even though I think we'll talk about the teams that we think are going to get in, and there's going to be a lot in this conference. The the shakeup of the conference and who wins, I think, is still going to be up for grabs. Yep. One more game, non-conference game. Uh, Galena falls to Saranac, Michigan, 32-20. to 20. Well, let's get into week number five. Dakota taking on Fulton. Forreston going up against West Carroll. Galena against Dupec. Eastland Pearl City against Stockton. Lena Winslow goes on the road to St. Teresa. Now, Mitch, this is interesting on paper because it's Decatur St. Teresa, the defending 2A state champion, against Lena Winslow, the defending 1A state champion, but not exactly maybe going to play out the way we thought it might a year ago. Yeah. um, When they announced this game, it it was a pretty big deal. Um, and still, I, I think two two really good programs, um, certainly from a historical standpoint with St. Teresa. But 
and, and you know they, they've played some tough teams. They they lost to some Indiana team, but then they played against Altoff Catholic, Central A and M, and uh, Tolono Unity. So they have a, quite the gauntlet of a schedule here. So, um, but they, they've also haven't really been close in any of those games. So I, I think they lost a lot of talent last year from that championship team. I want to say this is a new coach. I want to say that their coach retired. Um, after that. So yeah, not yep. maybe going to live up to the billing that we thought it would, but um, you know, for Lee win, it's, it's, it's just hopefully business as usual for them to go out and take care of business, get that fifth win um, and then keep moving forward. You know, when you look down the rest of the way in week five, I think the big question is, is anyone on upset alert? You know, you look at these games and on paper, it's not the, we referenced, you know, Dupec and Lee win still a week away. There's some other matchups that are coming down the way. Is there any team that is a favorite that may be on upset alert this week? I think that's the big question. You know, you start looking at can Dakota knock off a Fulton team or Galena and Dupec can, can Galena come, you know, come back and grab a win here. Can Eastland Pearl city steal a win at Stockton? I would say that going into that one, we'd probably favor Stockton as a favorite, but that's where yeah. I think I look at this week. I, no, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Um, the, All right. The, well, the end, drop, end of discussion. Right. <laughs> the the Dakota drop off the past couple of weeks. Um, Galena as well. So no, I think Fulton Dupec are safe this week. I think EPC and Stockton is really probably the most intriguing because you got EPC team who has played well every week has not gotten a win, and the same thing with Stockton who. Um, they play well. They play tough every single week, and they're they're one in three. So I think, you know, again, I don't think there's anybody on upset alert this week. So I think EPC and Stockton, um, two teams just just desperate for one win in EPC's case or a second win in Stockton's case because they've both been playing very very well recently. Yep. Let's let's. Uh, I was gonna say, do you jump into a crystal ball? Let's jump into the crystal ball, Mitch. Let's just yeah get, get right into it. Yeah, I've been um, <laughs> I've been using the phrase so, all podcasts, so I guess you know we'll keep fine. going with it. Um, so so to to further answer your question, no, I don't think anyone's on upset alert. So I think oh. Lee Win, Forrest, and Dupec will get their fifth win. Yep, and and that'll be that. Okay, I still all think right. this conference can get six teams in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, let's talk about start, it. Yeah, start with Fulton. Two and two. They've won two straight. They've got Dakota. I think that'll be a win. They've got a, re- a reeling Galena team. So let's let's just say that that's win four. Okay. Jump to week nine, West Carroll. So there's your five. And then I think it'll it'll be, can they play spoiler to Dupec or that non-conference game at Knoxville in week eight? Yep. Because what you don't want either is to go into the one, a playoff sitting at five and four. So can Dakota, and, and again, we don't know how that's going to shake out. If there's going to be four and five teams getting in this year, no clue, but just yep. in general, you don't want to be five and four and a, and a, and a high seed low high. I never know. <laughs> you don't want to be, you know, playing up against one of those tougher teams in the first round because you, you could find Lena Winslow in the first round. Yep. So I do think Fulton, can get there. Well, you, I mean, but you look at real quick though, you say you don't want to go in at five and four and look at what Forreston did last year. They found yep. 
They found a good draw at five and four, and they made the most of it. Absolutely. You know, they ended up in the state semifinals against Lena Winslow. Now there's a chance, though, at five and four, they could have ended up, you know, up against a team like Lena Winslow at five and four. So in the first round, in the in the first round, I meant. And I I, I think an NUIC five and four team is much better than a non-NUIC five and four team. You know what I mean? Absolutely. um, Yeah. And then that Forsen team is, is a perfect example. So just, just again, just in general, basically you don't want to face Lee win early and nope. being five and four almost puts you odds are a little bit more, you know, that you might have to do that. But regardless, I think Fulton gets in Galena. They've their two wins are against own four teams. They've lost their last two, but played forced and tough, but what they have left is Dupec, Fulton, and Lena. So That's... can they pick up? Can they pick up wins against Dakota and Stockton to get to four? They would have to upset one of those three teams. So I mean, half, I, yeah, yes, yeah, possible. I don't know. I think that then, then that that Fulton Galena game becomes huge for both of those teams. But I, yeah, I would say based on what we've seen so far. Fulton will be the favorite in that one. Yeah. So it becomes really big for Galena to, to try to get that upset. Yeah. And then you've got Stockton at one and three. EPC, go, they're on the road at EPC. I think they'll get their second win there. They've still got to play West Carroll. Let's call that their third win. And then they got to play Dakota, who again is reeling. Let's say that's four. So then they would have to win against Forreston or Galena in week nine. So I, again, I think it's, it's a long shot, but I think that Stockton still at one and three has a shot the way that they've been playing. They played, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say they played them tough because the, the results kind of got away from, away from in, in the end, but they played, they played tough, maybe not close, but they played tough. And I, I think there is a way for them to get there, but it, you know, again, it might take an upset win to do it. Yeah. I think it it's what we love about this time of year. There's there's several matchups that have, you know, basically it's do or die type of games, right? The winner's going to be in the yep. playoffs and the loser's probably going to fall one game short. They're probably going to end with four wins. So that's that's what we're here to cover down the way. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And this conference is always fun to watch the later it gets in the season. So Mitch, let's grab a quick break. We'll dive into some eight man before we wrap this thing up. My voice is just hanging on by a thread. So uh, let's thank thank some sponsors. We'll be right back. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, for fantasy's sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune in to For Fantasy Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Finishing up this week's podcast with eight-man football, Amboy gets the forfeit win over Quest Academy out of Peoria. So they are now 4-0 on the season. You have Milledgeville getting the 50-24 to win over Orangeville. Mitch, this is one of the games I was at. Missiles look great right from the start. Connor Nye leading the way, really like what he does on offense, but he's got a couple playmakers around him. One of those guys being uh, Mike and Tom Smith had a huge play touchdown went right by me. You love it. 
Um, Connor Johnson also um, made a made a couple of plays for him. And Spencer Nye on the defensive side of the ball had an interception that set the missiles up for an early touchdown. So this missiles team had no letdown after the big rivalry win over Polo. They get another win there against Orangeville. Jumping down the way, you had Polo getting the win, the bounce back win, 48 to 44 over Ridgewood. Mitch, we had talked to Kyle Kantmeyer about this one. This one was a wild game, obviously indicating by the 48-44 final, but a great comeback by the Marcos in this one. Yeah, we, we were talking about whether it was the largest uh, comeback in school history. I think we debunked that a little bit, but um, with about a minute 45 left, Polo kind of let Ridge, Ridgewood score so they could get the ball back. They did score. Then they got a fumble recovery and scored again. So um, a great win for the Marcos here over a really, really good Ridgewood team. Yeah, great win for them. They look really good. We'll talk about, you know, the playoffs and kind of what teams look like as we, you know, again, jump into the crystal ball and head down the way. I think the Polo Marcos are going to be a team to watch out for come playoff time, which they have been year in and year out. I mean, that's no Mm -hmm. secret with the success they've had in eight man football. Another game to get to River Ridge gets the 21 to 20 win over Blue Ridge. Again, more great information here from Kyle Kampmeyer from NUICfootball.com. River Ridge wins a slugfest. They were tied at six after one. Blue Ridge took a 12-6 lead at the half. River Ridge took a lead 14-12 in the third quarter. Then Blue Ridge took a lead back in the fourth, 20-14. If you're keeping up on this, then River Ridge scored, kicks the extra point for the win. What a win for River Ridge. So that's the second game this season that the kicker for River Ridge has won them the ball game. That kicker being Eduardo Merkelin, a foreign exchange student from Italy. Mitch, I'm trying my best with names here. A foreign exchange student from Italy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that pronunciation. Yeah. But either way, congratulations to him and to River Ridge. That's a big win for them when we start looking down the way here in the playoff outlook. But let's get into the matchups in week five. Amboy Lamoille. Mitch, we always shut out Lamoille. We never give them the love. Amboy Lamoille. That's true. Yep. They go on the road to River Ridge. West Central goes on the road to Galva. Polo at River Ridge. Rockford Christian Life at Ashton Franklin Center. Orangeville at Alden Hebron. Hiawatha at Milledgeville. So Mitch, looking at those games, but then also looking down the way at the playoffs here. Let's talk a little eight-man crystal ball. I think the teams that we, we usually talk about every week are probably the top four teams in the state in 8A, with, with that being Milledgeville, Amboy Lamoille, Polo, and Ridgewood. Um, those are, are certainly locks. Yep. Um, Orangeville, a team that you talked about that just lost to Milledgeville, they've, they've got some, not some, they've got a handful of winnable games left. Um, so I, I think they'll get in and it just kind of depends on how many wins they end up with that will determine the seating. And I, I still think river Ridge too. This one was a big one. This, with this win over blue Ridge, it puts them in just an even better position. Um, they've got, they've still got to play polo. They've still got to play, play West Prairie, but they've got AFC quest all Hebron left. So I do think river Ridge will also, uh, get in. Yeah, that was the Orangeville one was the the team that stuck out to me was 
even sitting at three and one, just with what they have left, I think there's a chance there. And, and yeah, I think this is a huge matchup for them this week against the two and two Alden Hebron team. They got to go on the road, but I think there's a chance they grab that win. And if they can get to, you know, get a few more wins under their belt the rest of the way, I believe they will be a playoff yeah. team. And, so, and, and Kyle's current projections have both of those teams in the playoffs, River Ridge Angel and Orangeville. Hey, if Kyle says they're in, then I'm also saying that they could. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Mitch, the only thing left to decide here is where am I going in week five? I haven't, Hmm. uh, I haven't figured that out yet. Okay, let's look. Is it, does it depend on the week if you have to go to two or is it, is it just one? um, It kind of depends. You know, the one week when Dazzle told me I could stay at Morrison the whole time, I wasn't expecting that. He just kind of sprung that on me. So I, I never know. Kind of depends on how much staffing they have and everything else. But how about Amboy Lamoyle going on the road to River to uh, Ridgewood? I haven't seen uh, haven't seen Ridgewood yet this year. That's mm-hmm. an interesting one. I haven't seen Amboy either, obviously. But um, you know, looking at that one, um, innate man yeah, stands I out. I don't know my geography all that well, even despite living in Illinois for however long. So um, it, it, Cambridge would be near. You could go to Orion, but they're not at home. Uh, Geneseo's not at home. So it does get a little tricky there, I guess. Um, you know, depending on the swings, Mercer County at Knoxville. Um, I have seen I have seen Mercer County this year once, and I like to kind of spread my spread myself out to see different teams, but um, you could maybe go to Fulton and Erie. Possibly. It's kind of a haul, but it's possible. Is it? Is it that? Is it that long? I guess it's, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Orion and Rock Ridge. That's a good one. Yeah. I, that's probably just stay there. Let's just, you know, let's just do one game and you go to that one. Okay. There you go. There you go. Oh, wait, no, one that, more. That was the, it, oh, no. No. Pierce was going to Sterling. That's right. Yep. Or Princeton. Yep. He was going to Princeton. One more I could toss out there. Um, I could start in Knoxville and then end up at Galesburg for Geneseo Galesburg. I've not seen Geneseo yeah. this year yet. Just saw Galesburg last week in a tough one against Sterling, but um, I have not seen Knoxville either. So that, that could be a possibility. You Well, and I'm sure that uh, Dazzo and Cuff would do this, but certainly uh, UT and Rocky would, you know, both home. Yeah, but I'm, I usually leave. Or sorry, UT and Molina are both home. Yeah, I usually leave those in-town big six games for them because they're going to stay closer to home. So, you know, they got to get back and look all pretty and anchor and stuff. I don't have to do that. Taking the, taking the easy way out. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's my first cough on the air. I made it that long. Had that little Oof. cough. I'm, I thank you to everyone who listened to this. This is probably not the most enjoyable yeah, listening. <laughs> I mean, I've get been through this episode. You can get through the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've listened to me like talk through gravel in my mouth the whole time. So yeah. Woo. All right, Mitch, that'll wrap us up next week. I'll come back. I'll be a hundred percent. The voice will be ready to yep. go. So that'll be, that'll be good. Uh, we'll see if we, uh, what we have. I, I, I don't know that there's a ton of intrigue here in week five. Uh, you know, there's certainly, a handful of games that we've, we talked about previously that just, I think have playoff implications, but yep. if I, if I, if I had to pick one that I'll probably watch, it'll probably be Princeton and Sterling. I think you got and to. Then I'll, I'll, yeah. click, I'll click on Orion and Rockridge as well, but yep. I don't know that there's 
much intrigue elsewhere. So again, an important week, no question about it, but just in terms of intrigue, I think it comes down to Princeton, Sterling, and then Orion and Rockridge. Several important matchups for some teams here, you know, that will, you know, go a long way in their playoff chances, but you're right. The, the, the real marquee matchups, the real big matchups, I think that will determine conference standings will be in a couple of well, weeks. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess just uh, not to overlook Morrison at Mammoth Roseville, because that will, that will it's, play a big part in the, that's uh, true. The Rock division. That's so. true. Maybe that's a game I go to. Yeah. All right. So many options. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Thank you so much, Mitch. Thank you to everyone who listens. We will see you again on the instant reacts, uh, later this week. That'll do it for this week's episode of view from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple podcasts or Podbean and subscribe. So you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at view from West pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.